0: What's good? What's good? My name is Hector Oliveira, and I'm with the man always on a mission to find nutrition. Big body say 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 Liua say say what's good, man? How are you?
1: I'm good, baby. All day, every day, on a mission to find nutrition, baby. That's what's up.
0: And man, we can't even begin to tell you how excited we are to bring to you our very first episode of our new podcast, talking some fucking muscle. And today's episode is about the 1977 bodybuilding documentary that would spark a fitness movement to change the world forever. That's right, directed by George Butler and starring the Austrian oak, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Today we are talking some pumping iron. In a time of avocado toast eating, top knot wearing, beard brushing, beer snob hipsters, two men, one from the south, one from the north, come together on a virtuous quest to reclaim the true purpose of the pursuit of strength, and set in stone the driving force that gets men to move off of their lazy asses. So come and drink from the goblet of power, slick thirst for motivation as two men invoke the indomitable will, the ironclad mindset, and the muscles that overcame great odds. Yes, these two men will be speaking of high adventure, these two men. We'll be talking some fucking muscle hello and welcome friends, family lovers haters lovers that hate to love and haters that love to hate you all have a place with us here on talking some fucking muscle I'm with big body say 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 Liua. say say man how are you I'm good man how are you doing you know it's a it's a big weekend for me man, but I'm gonna give you the the, the floor first. Do you have any rants or anything you want to go off before we get this thing going?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I definitely want to hear what you have a big weekend for, but since you asked, I mean, I was just thinking, man, because uh, I'll be seeing on the news all these like Hollywood actors and actresses of the world. I mean, they're awesome. They all, they're very awesome, and I feel like they all have like, you know, I don't know, like a message. What I'm talking about is like they have like they all been touched by God, I think. You know what I mean, in some way. And what I mean is, I'm talking about faith. Like so many times. I hear them always thank the big man upstairs or whatever it is, or they believe themselves, you know, basically they're talking and telling stories about how they're thinking deeply, sitting there believing in themselves or visualizing to overcome the obstacles. And they always give thanks to even other people. And like that made me think like what a message and a platform that they can have. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, what a freaking tool that Hollywood is, you know what I'm saying? With, we're sending a message on, on, you know, and that message is powerful because it sees a lot of people. You know, what I mean, I'll just be a light rant. That's a light rant.
0: Light rant. I like it. So so my rant is this. So check it out. I don't know if this is going to turn people off, but I still watch wrestling. I watch WWE. I'm a big fan. I follow it oh, today. Yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of the classic stuff. I'm a fan of the new stuff. I just like it because you get a chance to suspend disbelief, and this is a big weekend for me because I am uh, not only starting this podcast, recording the podcast with you, but I'm also hosting a WrestleMania watch party at the Taj Mahal here in uh, <laughs> Northern California, and we do it big, man. We have a fun time with it. We do uh, dollar bets on different intricate things about the matches. Like, let's say you want to make a bet that somebody's going to get hit in the head with a chair. So you lay a dollar down. I bet so-and-so gets hit in the head with a chair. Or I bet so-and-so gets, well, they don't do headshots anymore. I think the WWE banned that after the CTE scare. Uh, material for another show.
1: I got some of that, by the way.
0: Yeah, me too, bro. It was probably it was probably when we were hitting each other back in the day during yeah. football. Yeah, CTE, bro. <laughs> it's your fault. I can't remember my name. So, That's why they take yeah. it on the foreheads. So right. we make bets and it just escalates. Like we have these toy championship belts. And this one time I had one of my friends that was here, he lost a bet. And the bet I put on the match was, okay, if you lose this bet, you have to wear the championship belt into BevMo when we go on our drink run. Mm-hmm. And he lost the bet and he wore the championship belt. I'm going to have to show you. I actually Snapchat the whole video. I'll show you the Snapchat. It's, that it's a, uh, it's classic stuff, man. I played the, the Hulk Hogan entrance music, the real American, as he walked into the store it was, it was quite an interesting, uh, turn of events. It was fun. We had fun with it. So anyway, after all this fun and us creating this time, I was talking to my neighbor and I invited him over. He's a new neighbor, but I was talking to him through the fence, like, uh, like Wilson on, on tool time or home improvement. And I was <laughs> like, uh, Heidi Hill neighbor, would you like to come over and watch some WrestleMania? And he looked at me like I was like, I had five boogers hanging out of my face and the middle of my freaking head shaved, um, he looked at me like I was just some weirdo. I invited him over for some fun times, like good people, good food, because I cooked my ass off. And uh, he's like, well, I don't really follow wrestling. You know, I'm into UFC. I'm like, bro, you, come on, man. You got to be able to suspend disbelief and step up off that, oh, it's real. Wrestling's fake. You know what? It's, it's, not, it's not really fake sure. what it is. It's predetermined matches. But you know what? They put everything into it, and they act – They have to get people emotionally involved and and just the mindset behind it. So I respect their craft. I respect what they do. And Mm. anybody who can't suspend disbelief to watch some wrestling and enjoy time with good people, some wrestling.
1: I thought you said that. I understand that. I'm from the South, bro. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You got to suspend disbelief. Anyone who can't do that, then just stop watching Game of Thrones because ain't no dragons in real life. So, yeah, that's my rant, man. Suspend disbelief. Have a good time with people. And when your neighbor invites you to watch WrestleMania, you gladly accept it. Otherwise, you're going to get blasted on a podcast. That's what's going to happen. What was your last wrestling match? And then we'll move on after you cover this question.
1: The last wrestling match that I remember, I, I remember referencing Rick Rude and our, uh, Ultimate Warrior in a cage match. That was my That was my ish. But that's a, uh, that's a
0: classic cage match. Actually, a lot of people are Ultimate <laughs> Warrior fans, but uh, one thing about uh, Ravishing Rick Rude is he was actually a legit badass. No one messed with Rick Rude. I don't know why <laughs> he was he was a legit badass. You don't mess with you don't mess with Rick Rude as uh he was unfuckwithable. That's the word that you want to use to describe Ravishing Rick Rude as unfuckwithable. So there's there's not much to say about SaySay and I were we're old buddies from way back in the day. As you guys uh, listen to our future episodes, you'll get to know us and hopefully love us or hate us. If you hate us, that's welcome too. All we're looking to do here is spark some motivation and get people to to move. But yeah, so say say any uh, any other thoughts on on why people should listen to us?
1: Well, it's a direct order from Hefe Hector. Yeah, you better laugh. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think emphasis on the spark. You know what I mean? It takes a spark to burn a whole forest fire. As you guys know up there, it's no joke. But even if it's just one little spark to start a fire, where's that spark going to come from? And if it's coming from a a podcast while you're driving on the way to work, boom, so be it. You can follow anybody you want anywhere, anytime now. So you better choose what you choose to put in your body. That's why I started the mission to find nutrition too, man, because food for the body is not enough. You have food for the soul. And I really was talking about bread, like the, the word of the Lord, but I ain't trying to beat people over the head. Whatever you want to do with it, but you gotta have that spark. Kind of like a duty as a personal
0: trainer. I 100% agree with you on, on the duty as a personal trainer is, is to just uh, uh, be that person that invokes a change. A lot of people need help. A lot of people need help moving and just getting themselves to feel better through movement, and that's that's where it starts. Um, I
1: like to talk a lot, so if there's out there people out there like listen to podcasts, I do. I like I like to talk a lot, so I'm going to try to add a little variety so that it's not just like Baskin Robbins only got 31 flavors, man. You know what I'm saying? This is a whole nother flavor right here.
0: That's so, what it is, man. Hey, you'll just be a lot cooler if you listen to Talking Some Fucking Muscle.
1: That's that right there. You could have just snapshotted that whole thing right there. Wrap that up. 30, 30 seconds. All right. You'd be a lot cooler if you did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, now's as good a time as any to get to the movie, man. The 1977 bodybuilding classic, Pumping Iron, directed by George Butler. This is an interesting movie because of the time it was uh, made. Let me set the stage uh, and just ask you a question. Say, say, what do you, how do you feel about the 70s?
1: 1977.
0: Close your eyes, and I want you to think of uh, what the 70s were. I wasn't born in the 70s, but I've seen a ton of movies. Just close your eyes and think of the 70s. What do you think the 70s were like?
1: Man, probably the best time of people's lives. Like, new stuff there, new stuff there. Like, finally getting some good cars going, some good parties, some good, you know. Everything's a little bit let loose now. Like, they got out of war. It's time to party, kind of.
0: Exactly. That's That's actually probably the best way you can set the stage. It's the age of counterculture. It's post-Vietnam War. There's a lot of disco dancing. There's bell bottoms. There's afros. There's disco music. There's, there's integration. A integration. There's, there's a lot of exploration of, of just different possibility, right? The power of possibility. Because people are finding themselves in an era now without war. They're starting to question, you know, what do we have to work with here? You know, they're popping the hood and seeing what's underneath there. And yeah. what, what came out of this era in 1977 was a pivot point. For the fitness industry and an actual pivot point where the fitness industry and people that are part of fitness can actually stick a flag and hold on to something for the next 10 years. Because if you were in the fitness industry, there was large amounts of growth. Pumping iron is the biggest reason why. And we'll explain it to you uh, by the end of this podcast. We'll show you how in uh, the areas of Hollywood, right, the the big uh, influence it had on Hollywood, uh, the fitness industry, pop culture in general. Um, We'll go through that just by – Chatting it up about this movie. So, so the initial concept of the film uh, began as a look at bodybuilding from the percep- uh sorry, from the perspective of a newcomer to the sport. And the the newcomer was going to be some actor named Bud Cort, who was a, a relatively normal-looking guy. You know, he wasn't all jacked up like the other dudes, but he was going to be training uh, with his personal trainer Arnold Schwarzenegger. But the directors of the film felt that didn't have enough legs. And what they found was that they had a star in the personal trainer, the guy who was casted as the personal trainer, which was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And that would uh, that would go on to be a running theme throughout the movie, and they decided to switch the focus from this uh, this actor named Bud Cort to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, they actually he wasn't actually going to do the Mr. Olympia because the 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 uh, documentary was uh, following. Uh, These athletes training for the 1975 Mr. Olympia in South South Africa. So um, Arnold Arnold was pretty much done with with bodybuilding. He wanted to explore other things. But the directors said, hey, man, start training for Miss Olympia. Go back and, and see if you can compete. And he did. And they followed him throughout the whole process. And and he ended up going uh, out to the Mr. Olympia competing and doing his thing. But I don't know if you're aware of this, Ceci, but Arnold Schwarzenegger would actually become the person to change the look and feel and casting techniques of the action hero. So um, Hmm. what do you remember about action heroes growing up?
1: Well, man, you know, I I feel like action heroes kind of always had me in a trance. My perception, I feel like I always had a unique perception, but I think I think my perception was just like, wow, it's a standard. So, (laughs) I mean, technically, what I think the action hero did do is uh, make somebody look at him who who sees somebody who's taking care of business, you know, handling, you know, kicking ass. You know what I'm saying? Taking names, like they say. You know, really just uh, can set the standard in, like send a message that it's okay to be like this. <laughs> it's actually rewarded. Uh, you know, they're freaking awesome.
0: Well, there's there's a move. definite there's a definite <laughs> line there's a definite line of difference between the action hero before Pumping Iron and then after. Let's talk about people before Pumping Iron. So you had your you had your John Wayne's, right? So you would have oh, a John yeah. Wayne. You had Burt Reynolds. He oh, was yeah. an action hero beforehand. Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood, uh, Michael Kane, right? Sean Connery, Clint Eastwood. He was just, you know, he was just more persona. These were just tough, rugged guys. That uh, probably ate raw meat, right? Smoked cigarette. They weren't about fitness. Yeah. But after pumping iron, you saw the, the action hero become more about fitness. It was about bulging biceps and guys that were in the gym working out training for that action hero spot. And it's still like that today. You hear about Christian Bale, 50, yeah. 60 pounds of muscle to play Batman. You hear about, yeah. well, there's there's Dwayne Johnson and there's, there's no one touching that guy right now. I mean, he's... He's the uh, highest highest grossing actor in Hollywood right now. So, I mean, there's no touching Dwayne Johnson, and, and we all know what that guy looks like, right? Ain't no sleeping on the rock. I don't know, man. What are your thoughts on, on the switch and change of the action hero?
1: Well, I, I feel like, uh, for one, going back to the rock real quick, I, I feel like I missed the opportunity. I could have been that swole. I should have started working out earlier, but it's never too late. The action hero seems like they're doing CrossFit while doing, you know, fight scenes like they're rolling and shooting, you know, climbing up, doing parkour. I'm like, Dang, how do you train for that? So I think that it just comes down to the impossible. You see people out there looking at John Wayne, who looks up to him like just boom, boom, like after a while, I guess it just came bored, boring. I don't know, because we need a little bit more we need you to run and jump and shoot now, you know, maybe they just weren't physically fit enough to do those stunts. That's what's expected of you. Cause the enemy is stronger. So bigger. Stronger. Well, it's, it's,
0: <laughs> it's also worth mentioning the spectacle it is to see someone so jacked up, you know, it's, yeah. it's definitely uh, eye catching. If you're watching a, let's say you're watching two previews, right? On one preview, right. you're watching somebody that looks like your grandpa, John Wayne, shoot a gun. And on the next okay. preview, you're watching, you're watching, uh, you're watching Arnold Schwarzenegger like jump from a helicopter or hang from the little helicopter leg part, shooting yeah. a, a, a machine gun at the same uh-huh. time. He's all oiled up. He's got good oil on.
1: He's got uh,
0: yeah. he's got the face paint. <laughs> he's got his commando, and he's just shooting this machine gun, you know, in his heyday. And you're probably gonna go watch movie B over movie A because you don't want to see your grandpa. I mean, some people would, but you know, no, no one wants to see their grandpa get into a fight, man. It's like, hey, don't hit that man. <laughs> but you know yeah, what I've with done today's done. with today's fitness techniques and if you train with say uh, say Liu on big body say uh training techniques no matter your age you'll be always in a position to get in and out of an altercation
1: That's correct sir. Be ready um, for anything. I think that's what pumping I did though it kind of just shed a light to this subculture let the cat out the bag. They they were looked at as freaks maybe but now it's okay and it's actually admired. It's actually a form of art in a sense. People were really opened up to a whole new horizon of what the body can do. So with this new body, what can't, what do those action hero movies look like? Well, do you have muscle while shooting a gun? No. Well, it'd be a lot cooler if you did, you know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What a lot of people don't know about is the production issues that, that this uh, documentary also had. And it's worth mentioning that uh, this documentary Uh, Wasn't released until 1977, right? It was filmed for the 75 Mr. Olympia, but it wasn't released in 1977 because the director, George Butler, man, he got into financial trouble over filming this. He while he initially started trying to, you know, have it basically pull in or attract the uh, the fitness crowd or the fitness community. But along the way, he realized that he's not going to be able to make enough money off of this or launch it or actually have the financial backing to finally produce it, cut it, get it in theaters. So the movie kind of sat for a little bit. But what he actually did, and this is a, a, an interesting topic to, to talk about, is he brought in an external audience. So it wasn't someone who was in the bodybuilding community. It was an external audience. He basically had, I believe it was Ed Corney, Franco Colombo, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it could have been one of the other guys, but it was at least those three. They did a art exhibit. So the name of the museum is the Whitney Museum of American Art in New York City and they put this on, on February 25th, 1976. They actually brought in, like I said, an external audience, and it was a bodybuilding showcase, and it was purely to raise money. They were only expecting to attract maybe 300 people, but as they were selling tickets, they ran out of space in their register and any other place to store money, and they were just throwing piles of cash onto the floor because they actually ended up attracting 5,000 people to a museum to watch this bodybuilding showcase. And like I said, these aren't, this isn't a bodybuilding community that came to this. This was artists. This These were painters. These were sculptors. These were just uh, art consumers. So what it did was it really brought a feeling of uh, instead of it being this niche kind of like um, thing, like you had bodybuilding and you had you know your ice skating and you had your whatever else is in the niche uh, competitive community. What it did was it opened it up to everybody, and people saw this and, and saw the spectacle and attracted it. So. What it what it creates is a spectacle. People want to come see it. They want to consume it. They want to purchase things. And and uh, I feel like it's worth mentioning today that the fitness community is trying to interact too much with the fitness community. You have people trying to preach to the choir and you have people trying to, you know, manage other trainers, businesses and do this and which is fine which is okay. If you, if you, if you can help someone out, help someone. But at the same time, we have to figure out who's out there that's left, you know, who's, who's not a part of this and try to bring them into it. So that way they can be exposed to it, feel the weight of what it is and then make their decision. Uh, I don't know. Is that something you could agree with?
1: Well, yeah, I, I believe that everything you say, you know, it comes from a place of goodness. So what you hear, what I'm hearing you say is like some of the value that the fitness industry has, has been a little watered down by some of the side businesses used to support fitness professionals. So it's like, hey, I'm a personal trainer. Then you got somebody saying, well, here, I got your personal training clipboards. I got your personal training fitness grips or something like that, which is fine if you can help somebody help somebody, but we got to make sure we keep sight of who's really out there influencing and, and actually just helping people with their fitness goals, something like that. So I think that's a good thing.
0: Oh, man, it's it's uh, from from the lips of the man that's in the trenches right now. That's that's information that that right there is what is called inside information, the man who sees clients every day, who interacts with them, who, who knows the struggle and knows it's real. Um, but let's let's move on. Let's actually talk about a couple of things that I find entertaining is the actual opening sequence of and, and there are a lot of iconic scenes and sequences in this movie that that make it what it is and make it the cult uh, phenomenon and the and the big hit it was. Uh, But the opening scene uh, specifically, I mean, this is after the ballet scene with with Franco Colombo and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So this is after the ballet scene. (laughs) So there's an opening scene where Arnold walks into the Gold's Gym. You know, he makes his rounds. He says, what's up? And there are a lot of... You know, it's the 70s. It's 77. So there are a lot of interesting uh, clo- <laughs> there's a lot of interesting clothing in that room. Clothing items and, and ensembles, outfits yeah. that uh, that people are wearing. I don't know that there's a talk to me a little bit about what you remember from that room. I know there's a guy wearing shorts. It's actually Mike Katz. He's wearing the yeah. abbreviation of shorts. He's wearing the S S H R T S is no O because yeah. they're too short to be shorts. But I actually not- like
1: I actually like the dress code in that era. It was just kind of like an unabashed, or however you say, unabashful. Not not bashful, just I'm going to put it all out there. I got my tight shorts. I got my spaghetti string tank tops. Uh, I don't know if I remember seeing gloves, but just the typical loud colors. You know, I like the tank tops. Like, my pops always used to wear. He's the one that, I think, put me down on Pumping Iron. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember seeing it because... I. Later on in life, I came across this video. And I was like, "Oh man, I remember that as a kid at my house. That that scene. They the, had those little spaghetti string tank tops in the back. I forgot what it's called, but it's just like it comes real thin in the back. Everybody just ripped up, showing what they got. You know what I'm saying? And then I think they went for a generation where, like, where I grew up, I'd be making fun of that. I would make fun of that so hard. I don't know why I would make fun of it. I'm like, what the hell? What is it I think like? It's-, it's coming back though. <laughs>
0: I feel like it's funny that you you mentioned everybody ripped up uh, showing showing them what they got, because there's a there's a direct quote from Arnold in the movie where he's talking about posing. And he's like, if you if you don't got it, don't show it. <laughs> and you know, course, what, yeah. you know what? You know what? say Between you and I, and you, you have it on good authority that I will not be in one of those uh, string <laughs> tank tops, the nipple tanks, uh, yeah. because I just I don't have that at this point in time in my life. Man, I got two kids. Um, I got
1: Okay, we might get a violation right is that what you're saying like
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. now say so, say so, i want to take um, a quick two minutes to talk about uh real fast because everybody has their story with it being exposed to these cult classic films like who showed it to them when they saw it uh, how it was presented but uh, talk to me a little bit real quick about who told you about this movie uh, and when when do you remember the first time seeing it what was that experience like for you
1: well, that's funny you ask, because if I remember, I feel like half of my beginning of my life is a days now, but in most recent times, I feel like there's like an awakening that happened, but I had came across the book, Arnold's book. It was like the, called the Encyclopedia or something about it. It's like 700 something pages, but I, I really got into that book and then I started looking it up and I remember looking up Pumping Iron and that movie just pumped me up. Dude. Like I looked at it for motivation every day, but I remember when I pulled that movie up, that some of those scenes sparked a memory from my childhood. And I was like, oh, I remember watching this. I think it was with my dad or something. I said, I just remember this in my household. So, and my dad was like, he had 26 inch arms, man. He was really, really young, man. My mom always suggest, thought that he, w- he was on steroids. He said, she said he never admitted to it, but just because he was always so angry, like, you know what I mean? Just lifted and angry. We couldn't go out to fast food without him yelling at the cashier. Like I said, no ketchup, like, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I remember pumping Iron Man changed, the way i just train uh is it's, it's kind of crazy cuz i mean as far as pregame like I, for pregame i could just watch that movie and i'll get hella pumped like i just want to go listen to right now talking about
0: it well, there, there are definitely a lot of motivational quotes in it that that people still pull to this day. And then we'll cover them a little bit later. But as far as just covering my exposure, it was uh, my older brother, David. Uh, he's been a big influence on my life and and uh, really close with all, my whole family, my brothers and my sisters. Um, but back in the early 90s, I want to say it was about I think I was in kindergarten. So like 1989, 1990, uh, he came to me and uh, well, he didn't. Here's here's the deal. He didn't come to me with a copy of the movie. You know, we're poor Mexicans in the Central Valley. You got 800 people living in a three bedroom home only 800 800 only 800 dude we were a small mexican family hey small mexican family um so every saturday there would be the saturday matinees and and because we didn't have cable it was just basic television once again a poor mexican family living in the north side for those of you from vicera that are listening north side birdland uh, i don't claim a set so don't come after me i got kids man uh
1: he says a magic <laughs> word right there though.
0: you better watch out <laughs> so here's here's how it happened he we were watching saturday matinee and it was probably some uh some action film or something on beforehand that was i don't know it wasn't arnold maybe it was a double feature maybe it was predator and maybe they're doing some arnold thing but it was kmph fox 26 their saturday matinee and we maybe had watched raw deal and the next one was going to be pumping iron and david was like oh man this is such a great movie even though it's a documentary i keep calling it a movie need to call it a documentary um He's like, man, this is awesome. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's doing bodybuilding. And this is my first time hearing the phrase bodybuilding because I'm a kindergartner. I'm like, bodybuilding? okay, cool. So when I'm watching this movie, I see these guys working out and pumping and doing their thing. And they're on stage posing. And the whole time I'm thinking, right, because I also was a big wrestling fan when I was growing up. Hulk Hogan would flex and and lift weights and do promos and stuff, too. You know, "Uh, you know something, brother. And the whole time he was flexing in the gym. So the whole time I'm watching Pumping Iron, I'm thinking, well, when are these fools going to jump in the ring and get it on, man? When is, Arnold, when is Arnold and Lou Ferrigno? But it was just a bodybuilding competition where they just got on stage and flexed, and there was never a fight. And uh, say what you want to say now, because I'm going to offend a lot of people right now. So here's a little you know, preset. I might offend some people. But I thought it was silly as hell that they didn't actually do anything about it. They just went on and flexed and played mind games. I thought – back then I thought it was silly. And even today, okay, I can respect the effort they put into bodybuilding. I can 100%. I respect it. But at the same time, it is super silly, and it's only something that exists in that environment to where you can grease yourself up, put on a pair of Speedos, look about as close to a dick dancer as you possibly can. (laughs) Is that what you call them, dick dancers? And have somebody score you or give you a a rating on your glutes and hamstrings and the color of your little mankinis, bro. It's just silly to me. I'm sorry, bodybuilders. I love your effort. I love your passion, but you're doing something silly, man. I'm sorry, say say. You're gonna have to probably lay me out on this one, but I'm just—it's silly.
1: I'm just still—I'm just still trying to get over dick dancing. Like you—you
0: know what? (laughs) It's—I'm sorry for using the term. They look like it. Some of them actually hit the splits too. Like some of them should be. And this is coming from me. That might uh, be
1: another. That might be another area we need to investigate, like how many bodybuilders have to do dick dancing on the side to to earn dollars. Because I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. I heard this. This is one guy who he told me how much he made on a weekend, and he said I can triple that. So he'd be making like three thousand if he goes to Vegas. So I'm like, hmm. I thought I'm gonna go dick dance, but shoot, there's other ways to use your body to your advantage.
0: You can. That's you can hop quite, on a.
1: But I I like that, what you're saying. I'm not trying to discredit What you're saying is is funny because I used to think the same thing, bro. I used to think the same thing. I'm like, damn, like, y'all really care about all pieces of the body, but you better cover that at least because that's decent. But it's like, wow. Especially when they turn around, like, how do you guys do it? But I found myself on stage at a physique competition just to overcome my fear. And that was an exercise for me where... You know, I, after I lost 100 pounds, I was pretty shredded. I had an eight-pack. I was trying to invent the 12-pack. But that's, <laughs> anyway, that's another story. I was on stage, and it was it was a, it was, an aha moment, too, because I remember my mom's like, you better not get any tattoos. I was like, why? And then she was like, because you never know when you might want to fall back or you be a bodybuilder as a career. And I'm like, whatever. But it stuck with me. And I was like, that will never happen, though. I'll never go out there like that. That's embarrassing. Like, what? But you- – but stand on stage and uh, I was literally on stage. I was like thinking to my mom. I was like, my mom knew. I was like, how did she know? I was like, shoot. Because I think like I came in third. There was two people who came in before me. This other guy who had a bunch of tattoos kind of really hit his cuts up. Like they were there, but he just couldn't see them. So I was like, maybe that helped me get a little higher, you know?
0: <laughs> Come on, Sasa, You and I both know as fitness professionals. In the industry, we both have thought about becoming dick dancers to make that side money when times were lean. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's three thousand dollars a night, honestly. <laughs> We know like, from experience.
0: Know. Yeah, man. Times get lean. Personal training isn't isn't always it's feast or famine. And in those famine times, you know, hey. I'm telling
1: you, hey, there was people that were hitting me up for like, hey, would you be a brand ambassador? I thought this was all BS. I never heard of this, but you know, looking back at it, I was like, Oh, there's a lot of people that do brand ambassadors. You gotta you know, they look like your body looks good. Take some credit for your hard work. That's called to me called cashing out on your results. Actually, that's mm-hmm. not cashing out on your results, that's being smart with your results. I feel like cashing out on your results is like eating donuts. You know what I'm saying?
0: Anyways. What is our life right now, bro? What is, we're, we're on, a, we're supposed to be fitness professionals and we're on a podcast talking about the, the days and times when we were considering becoming a dick dancer. That's what we've become, no, Stacey.
1: No. Uh, you know, we got to agree that I'd never said that. <laughs> All
0: right. Maybe but, it's just me then. I'm okay with it. I'll, oh, own, you know, it. I I'll own it. it. House
1: house I'll own up to well, it. I'll own up to it. I think that you might think as far as deep as like, hmm, if the circumstances were this and that and this, then maybe, but never, I don't know, man. I don't know why I'm having a serious conversation about it. I feel like I would need to go to dance school for that. You know what I'm
0: saying? Exactly. Well, there was just just a side story. There was this time, and this is a, a moment where I found out that you know, you kind of sometimes just have to roll with something and, and just see what happens. If you have an idea and you just had to throw it out there and see what happens. So I was uh I went I, I was at Ross. I, I buy my white T-shirts from Ross because you can get some nice ones, some Calvin Klein's, whatever. Ross or Marshall's, one of those stores. Anyway, I was there and I was buying my white tees as I'm walking toward the men's like white T-shirt prepackaged section on my immediate left. And this was a while ago, like uh, last night. Now, this was a while ago, maybe several five, five or six years ago. Uh, to my immediate left, uh, I saw this orange tiger stripe thing on my left-hand side. And I turned and faced it. I looked, and it was sure enough, man, it was a man thong, tiger stripe. And it had the word poppy on the front. Poppy. Wow! So I thought in my head, you know, Giants are, you know, going, going to the World Series. It's orange and black. This can be a rally thong. So I bought it. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think this was actually back in 2010 because I think it was the Giants' first World Series up here. So I bought it. I took it home and I was like, you know what would be freaking hilarious is if I just put this on and was in the kitchen, took cooking tacos for my girlfriend, who's who's my now wife. Oh, that's how and you uh, I thought it was gonna be hilarious for her. I thought it, I thought she was gonna laugh. So. She gets home. Uh, she goes into the room to change or whatever. And I have the thong already on. And uh, a couple things, actually, two things I realized about this is one. Sometimes you just have to roll with something and see what happens. You just got to do it. The other thing is uh, I'm a I'm not a uh, large in a man thong. I'm definitely an extra large because oh. stuff was stuff was just not supported properly. There was some spillage in the man thong anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's seared in there forever. You'll never get out. Anyway, I'm in the kitchen. I'm in the kitchen cooking I'll, up these tacos. She walks out and she's standing behind me, and I just hear this ch- ch- the flash of the camera go off or the phone camera. And I turn around. And I'm like, what the hell? She has this look on her face, like like she was liking it not that it was funny because i was expecting a laugh but she liked it and my immediate reaction was like (gasps) you like dick dancers oh man that was was my immediate reaction but she liked (laughs) it so much we ended up you know having some intimate time together and it was all because i decided to buy this clearance out orange and black tiger stripe man thong and try to make her laugh it went the other way and i ended up you know getting a little slap and tickle from it so oh man couple things. Actually, Happy three sick. things. Actually, th- actually three things I realized that <laughs> one is uh, you can just roll, just roll with it. If you have an idea, just do it. Uh, life's short. The other thing is um, the other thing is I need extra large man thongs. So those of you out there want to send me a manthog extra large is the size. Wow. And it's not right. anything. It's not like any anatomy thing. It's just, it's just that I, I, don't know. I think, I think I have too much, too much ass. Pull over that ass, too fat. And then three, my girlfriend now wife likes dick dancers, so it is what it is, you know. Wow, oh, um,
1: man. I, I, like that story, man. As a whole, like that's uh, you might as well just roll with it. You got it on the clearance rack, though, huh?
0: Clearance rack. It was maybe like six bucks.
1: Do you think like, uh, like maybe like somebody else had worn it or something, returned it or something?
0: 100 percent. <laughs> With, How many people
1: do you think tried that on before you?
0: Without question. <laughs> without question. Someone's, I think someone probably actually already made tacos in it, too. There's a good chance.
1: Was there a tag on it, at least? Like, there's somebody had the decency, I'm going to leave the tag on. It could have been somebody.
0: a guy it could have been a guy just like myself <laughs> that realized that he was an extra large in manthongs and brought it back. And he probably told the lady at the front, Hey man, I'm extra large in this. Anyway, I, I believe I still have the manthog to this day because nice. it, I just kept it as a memory to just roll with an idea and good things can come out of it. If it's, if it's coming from the right place. So right, we've, <laughs> we've absolutely fallen off the rails with this. Uh, we need to somehow get back into, uh, get back on track uh, as far as where, what we were talking about and where we were well, at.
1: Half the movie was of people who, look like they'd be really good at thick dancing.
0: Yeah. I think it is. I'll tell you what. So as you're walking around, as 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 Arnold's walking around that initial scene, right? So we're talking about that opening scene. So Arnold's walking around Gold's Gym, and everybody's wearing those 19. And you're right. It's it's not like today where there are established fitness businesses where everything's breathable. Lululemon's putting silver in their freaking garments so that way the sweat doesn't stink up your clothes. Uh, there's all these there are all these special things going on with fitness clothes, and people back then are just like, hey man, I got to cut pants to go to the gym and work out, or hey, I'm just gonna put on my I'm gonna put on my sweats.
1: There are uh, flashbacks there. <laughs> yeah. people are. Just but yeah, wearing... I, I feel you, man. I just try to wear my oldest clothes. Sometimes they graduate to go into the gym, but
0: mm-hmm. I like
1: some, I, I like some high performance gear sometimes.
0: But there's one outfit out of that whole scene that sticks out in my mind. It's not the short shorts. It's not the nipple tanks. True. It's not Arnold's shirt that says Arnold is numero uno. It's not any of that. The one outfit that sticks out in my mind in that whole scene, the initial scene is the dude behind the front desk standing in front of the old like black and white tube TV with the bunny ears? Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I can describe his outfit, but say, say I sent you a picture of that guy. And uh, I, I guess appreciate. how would you how would you describe uh, that guy's outfit behind the front desk?
1: Dang. I mean, you could tell he's like the owner or something like you know what I mean. Like, what are you doing in the gym? Like, he just got up the disco. Like, I don't know. Kind of just seemed like he's probably one of the supporters like so side businesses of uh the supporting the industry if you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: So the guy has has the the quintessential 70s stash, the porn stash. He's indoors. Granted, it's Santa Monica, but he's indoors, and he's wearing the tinted aviator shades. He's got pastel yellow bib overalls. He's got the ribbed white turtleneck. It's a full turtleneck, and, and he's just standing behind the front desk. He's got one arm on the desk, one hand on his hip, and he's there on business. And it's not gym business. He's like, and if anybody out there knows his name, if anybody out there can find out this guy's name and pop him into the Google machine for me and send me some information, I want to know who this guy is behind the front desk. He could be the owner of that gym. He could be the manager. But he is by far the reason why this scene carries so much weight. And I know Arnold goes through there and he ends up working out. But it's just like just having that guy in that outfit behind the front desk just brings so many good yeah. feelings about the 70s and the time that they were in. I don't know. He he was definitely there on Business. He was doing some things, if you know what I mean. He was doing things. Yeah, he, he was, man. He's he groovy, dude. That guy probably had one of those jackets where you open it up and it has, like, the selection of, of different pharmaceuticals you can choose from. But he was definitely there doing business. So that was one of the most initial iconic scenes. But one thing you have to focus on with Pumping Iron is it was the actually the the, the quintessential originator or influencer of reality viewing or reality tv because it was a documentary but at the same time the director george butler had to make it a little more interesting because there was a a community of bodybuilders there but he needed to create a story he needed to create a good guy and he needed to create a bad guy to go along with the story a conflict and so what you had was the what you have is the introduction of arnold schwarzenegger as the hero of the film and lou Ferrigno as the bad guy or the, the the protagonist and the antagonist. We'll use fancy words instead of good guy, bad guy. I like good guy, bad guy. But uh, what do you remember about Arnold Schwarzenegger being built up as the good guy of this film?
1: Well, I mean, I never really took it into reference at the time, like on uh, who it could be intentionally done like that. I just thought, like, wow, look at Arnold. I want him to win. I didn't really. I, I was just like just amazed at the whole process. So I guess when I was watching the film, I was like, wow. This is how this is how it's done. Oh, look at the look at their funny banter between the competitors. I kind of just made me want to experience it a little bit. So I do remember that I was like, when I watched it, I was like, damn. I was like, well, damn, Lou you you told Arnold he's gonna win. Arnold, it was like mind games, dude. It really was, man. It was like mind games. That's what I remember too. When I was doing my physique competition, like. The two people who came in first place and second place who beat me—they're the only ones who talked to me the whole time. Both of them came up at different times and said, "Wow, man, you got—you got the winning physique. You're gonna win." And the other one came—he's like, "Yeah, yeah, man, you got it, man." And I was like, "What the fuck? What's, what the hell's going on?" But when I seen that scene in in, in *Pumping Iron*, I was like, "Damn, Arnold, you got him right there." I was like, "All right." And I felt bad because it looked like Lou Ferrigno's dad was like trying to have his back and like Lou Fredo just wouldn't speak up or something. That, that That's what I remember. Like it was a competition and Arnold said, what are the chances you think you're going to win Lou? And he's like, everyone knows you're going to win Arnold. You already won or something like that.
0: Yeah. There's something to it that, and it's cool that you brought it up. Cause I, I noticed the same thing. He was actually admitting defeat. Yeah. He even, he even told Arnold and he spoke it out and into the universe and said, Oh, you're going to win Arnold. You're, you're the best. And yeah. when you're trying to win and play mind games, you don't tell somebody that. I would have told him, you know, Arnold, you're getting old, man. All you got left is all you got left is movies. This is gonna be your way out. I probably would have told him something like that. But once again, I've been rocking a dad bod since uh, 1994, so uh, I ain't saying shit to Arnold. Even even today, he'd probably beat me in a pose off. Um, I'll
1: punch Arnold in the chin. <laughs>
0: Big, big mistake.
1: <laughs> no, just, I'm sorry, Arnold. I, I, I look up to R.O. a lot. Like, he's doing, he's my number one go-to in the fitness industry. Well, my pops too, but, mm-hmm. I mean, just to get famous, you know, punch. imagine if you punch R.O. in the chin, what well, would happen? Shit. So, <laughs>
0: what are we doing?
1: Talking about, we're talking some fucking muscle.
0: Dude. <laughs> oh, we're that's dead. right. So, what we... <laughs> so um, they introduced, so they used a lot of cinematography. And creating the good guy that is Arnold Schwarzenegger and the and the bad guy, that, the protagonist-antagonist relationship. So the cinematography they used was Arnold Schwarzenegger training in Santa Monica. He was training at Muscle Beach. He was running around on the beach, talking to people, smiling, laughing, having fun, bright cameras. The sunshine is out. He's running around the beach with the two girls. They built him up. When people saw him, they basically said, I want to be, well, when guys saw him, when men saw this guy, they said, I want to be that guy. Running around the beach, having a good time. They saw yeah, the ladies smoke weed. And it, it was a pivot point in, in pop culture, too, because people started seeing that as the lifestyle they would want to have working out, having fun. And a lot of people are doing that lifestyle now. So if you if you think of the arc of the of the of the fitness industry and how it relates to pop culture is once that became more of a let's call it a message or once that became something that I want to be. Uh, once it became that, then that's when the floodgates for the, for the fitness industry opened up because they started pursuing this Let's call it a, a movement.
1: Yeah, that makes me think, Hector. Yeah. That makes me think, man. Like that movie came out '77 or something like that, right? Basically, or '75 to '77. That message is being felt now. The opening the floodgates did. Not everybody got on board right away. It takes years. So that's a message that's now felt. And we wanted to see his life pan out. And like these guys are now doing different things. And you know, we were seeing like, oh, their lifestyle can work, and I'm like, wow. So it's so inspirational that we're feeling the effects now, man. We're here talking about it. I, I mean, that's big, man. That's that's great that you brought that up. I never looked at it like how that message is now being felt just as much. Maybe it's peaked out now. Who's the next? Who, who's the next case study that we're watching now that people are going to switch? Maybe maybe we understand we got to be a little less like Arnold or a little bit more in a different direction. But that's a good thing because shoot, his principles still hold true, man. It's a good message right there that is uh, being felt.
0: Exactly. And, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're Honestly, people, we're just trying to tell you a story. Tell you a story about you know, how there were pivot points and how people grew their business. They grew their muscles. They grew their motivation. They grew, they grew as individuals. They grew spiritually. We're just trying to tell you stories of, of personal growth in a positive direction based off of the power of possibility. So now let's talk about the other side of that protagonist, antagonist relationship. Let's talk about what the footage looked like of Lou Ferregno's workout. So he's in Jersey, right? The mean streets of New Jersey. He's uh lifting in dark, like a, a dungeon type room. It's it's uh you can barely see anything. All you see are just maybe a few lifters here and there. He's by far the uh the biggest guy in the room. He's with his dad. His dad's barking at him to get the extra reps in as the scene opens up itself. The difference is Arnold's is working out with all these beautiful people in Santa Monica. But then you switch over to the scene of Lou Ferrigno. And the first thing you actually see, you don't see Lou Ferrigno in the scene. You see a couple of normal looking guys as the scene opens up, right, as the scene opens up. The first shot you see is in a guy who's, you know, he's not in, in any type of muscular condition, but okay. his shoulders are slumped. His back is rounded. He's got all the hair out of it. He's not he's not groomed at all. He's wearing a, um, a dirty, white, deep V-neck. That V-neck <laughs> is deep, man. It's, it's down below the nipple line. And I don't know, sis, so you ever wearing any deep V-necks?
1: No, sir. My I got one V-neck, but it doesn't even come below my uh, little, little little neck bone, little clavicle. Just, just come one? Below
0: the other just day you told I got, me, I got the a, a
1: gray one and a blue one.
0: The other day you told me you had two V-necks, but you had to get rid of one. <laughs> the other day you said you had two V-necks, and you had to throw one out because it got too deep.
1: Yeah, it got too deep,
0: man. <laughs> All right, so here's what I want, I want you to why don't you go to the the spot, the it spot out there in Ocean Beach, San Diego? Go to the it spot. Where's where's the where's the spot where people go party there? It's
1: called Mavericks.
0: Why do you to want you to go to Mavericks? Why you to get a bouncing job? I, don't know, I want you to bounce a guy for having a V neck that's too deep.
1: Oh Can man, you? that's I'll freak. I would do that. I would freaking do that, dude. That's just like I threw my V neck out of throw them out. Get your V neck out of here. Your V neck's a little too big, uh too deep, sir. I think that actually the bouncers have to wear V necks though. So like if your V neck is deeper than theirs, then you gotta go.
0: Just stop the guy at the door and you're like yeah. you look at him, you stop you, so you stop the guy at the door, you look at him and say, Nah man, your V neck's too deep, you can't go in. You gotta you got an extra, you got another V neck that's not yeah. as deep in your car instead of a collared yeah. shirt? You got another V neck that's not as deep, you got another bro? V-neck? <laughs>
1: I've had to go back to my car and change shirts, man. Like, who who do I think I was trying to get in a club with an ugly ass shirt?
0: So you say you you own a a V-neck that's like a turtleneck with a V on it. So you got the turtle V-neck rocking.
1: Turtle V-neck, bro. I'm anti-V-neck, man. You know, if I owned Mavericks, I would take the V out, bro. I'd be like Mavericks, fool. Like, you can't even come in. No Vs allowed, dog.
0: All right. So moving on now, let's talk about the actual competition itself in South Africa. I got to stop doing this nasal, like. That's killing it. That's killing me right now. Let me go one second. Like, you,
1: know, you know who else did that? That guy who's behind the desk in, in the overalls and pumping iron?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to X that out. <laughs> leave that shit in. Damn. Without question, he did that. <laughs> All right, so we're at, we're at the competition. We're at the 1975 uh, Mr. Olympia. Uh, mr universe mr universe mr olympia and we have our competitors going there's a there's a late well not a late entry but there's a guy who wasn't included in the documentary his name was serge Nubray, i think via france he's he was in the uh, he was in arnold and lou ferregno's class so there's three of them but let's go through the the competitors all right and let's just talk real quick about them so you have uh ed corney one of my favorites because i actually have a personal story personal interaction with him but what do you know about ed corney
1: well, I know he's an Islander now because of you, but he's like not here on this earth anymore, right?
0: That's correct. Ed Corney passed away earlier uh, this year, uh, unfortunately, uh, January first, um, 2019. He passed, and uh, yeah, um, you talk about uh, a it's veteran intense. of was <laughs> yeah. Well, you talk about a veteran of the sport at the time, and just a masterful poser. From my personal experience, uh, just a great guy, an amazing individual. I'll tell you a quick story about Ed. When I worked at a gym in Manteca, California, I actually had a chance to work out with him. The way it happened was, was pretty funny because he would come in and we would interact all the time. But one day he comes in. By then, I think he was into his 60s. He has this little shuffle slide walk about him. He like shuffles with one leg and slides the other one. And he shuffles slides up to the front desk.
1: <laughs> the shuffle and slide. <laughs>
0: Shuffle slides up to the front desk and lays his bag up on the desk. He looks at me and he—he he was wearing his his uh glasses at the time. He had his hat and he's actually wearing the same jacket that he was wearing in the spe- special features film that I—that I sent you. He looks at me and he goes, "Hey, guy, that's how that's that was how he's like, hey, guy, <laughs> uh, yeah." So I said, "What's up, Ed? How's everything going?" Uh, you know, gonna do some back and buys, guy. And he asked me, "So, so he's gonna do some back and buys? You work out today, yeah, guy?" And I said, well, I was about to, he goes, okay, today you're working out with me. And I wasn't even expecting to get an invite to work out with Ed. Here's the thing. Good, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you did back and buys the day before, if you were going to do back and buys, it doesn't matter what your split is. When a pro bodybuilder, even at the time he was doing his master stuff, when a pro bodybuilder tells you today, you're working out with me. Today, on that day, you work out with that pro bodybuilder. There's yes. no ifs, ands, or buts. That's that's an opportunity you may never get. So I go change, and I'm getting ready for my workout. And this guy's in his 60s. Ed is in his 60s. And uh, he's still in great shape. He's still strong as an ox. And so I'm sitting down on the seated row. Well, the first exercise was seated row. So he starts me off at 180 pounds on the seated row, man. I, I've Even today, I, I rarely go above 150. He starts me off at 180, seated row. No wraps, no straps, just raw seated row and tells me to pull 15 nice i pull maybe three reps solid and the rest of them are shit and he's like okay okay guys just get quarter reps till you get to 15 and they weren't even quarter reps it was just barely me just moving the cable maybe six inches but he was it's just good. telling me to he's telling me to keep pulling that's the mindset behind it right like if you're gonna get the full range of motion in bodybuilding and in muscle development you get what you can out of it you know you pop the hood yeah. of that you pop the hood of that engine, and you say, "Well, what can I get out of this?" You know, and then he decides, after the word, to go raise the weight another 20 pounds, and then another 20 pounds, and then another 20 pounds. So <laughs> we did like five, six sets of that. We got down to 10 reps, and then uh, after that, it was bicep or bicep hammer curls because we were hitting bicep. And my opening weight on that was uh, a 70-pound dumbbell for for hammer curls. 70, 70.
1: 70. Yeah, nice. He,
0: he told started. me to pick up. And his reasoning for that was, yeah, you're a big guy. You can do 70. Go get the 70s. He was with all seriousness. So,
1: yeah, man, he's trying to he's trying to push you to the lemons, man. He's testing you. butt, man, like, damn, that's I always
0: saying? have.
1: a I always have a metaphor for things. And I always call in my mind because I don't want to offend nobody, but I call like anything like like let's say we're going twenty fives and below. That's the kids club, bro. So like if it's uh. If like clients be picking up something like 25 or I'll just be like the kids club is closed, bro. It's closed. Kids club kids, is closed at night. But but like as, as you get stronger, your kids club has to get bigger too. So so I'm, I'm I'm glad to announce here in a minute when I graduate that I could put the 45s behind me on the kids club for curls and shit but you gotta be able to do it 20 times you gotta be able to do it 20 times bro
0: you can find me (laughs) in the kids club all day i'll be playing in the ball pit i'll be sliding down the slides i'll take my shoes off before i go in i'll cry a little bit i'll bump my head and start crying i'll do the whole thing just so i can get the attention of the attendant so yeah Yeah. Ed corny man the master pose actually there's an opening scene of him working out with arnold where he has 315 on the bar and they're going just yar on squats they're going i think he gets up to like 15 reps and arnold's like okay five more he has them do five more reps. They do 315 at least 20 times. I don't know. I lost count. But it was it was, uh, it was was aggressive. Ed Corny. Uh, yeah. one the, what, truly wonderful. Hey, that one was of... Ed Corney. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Dude, he's ripped. I like his yeah. poses too, man. You know, he was limber and ripped. You know, he's just like an Islander, man. I'll yeah. tell you what, man. That's, that's good. That's good. Because I remember, I think Arnold said, you, you don't even warm up unless you get 15. 15 is like a warm up or something.
0: Because it's a, it's like, a different yeah. mindset.
1: Uh, probably Arnold. Probably was competing with his own self. Like, you know, that's why he's winning.
0: When you get to that level of comp- competition, that's that's pretty much it. You're competing with yourself. But yeah, Ed Corney, man, truly one of the greats. Let's move on to Ken Waller. He would go on to win. He would go on to win Mr. Universe. Uh, they they built up a a rivalry between between him and Mike Katz, and it was just based off of a silly prank that he played off of him about hiding his t-shirt. That was the famous scene. Actually, Ken uh, <laughs> Ken Waller would go on to get booed at bodybuilding competitions because of this, and it wasn't even something that was built into the movie. It wasn't even something that was planned as negative. All it, it was something that happened in the spur of the moment where Mike Katz was looking for his shirt and then Ken Waller had hid it from him during the competition to play little mind games with him. And it was a sentimental shirt it meant something to, to Mike Katz. It, they didn't really even, this wasn't something that was pre-planned. Once again, we reflect back on or We go back to how they, they developed the inception of reality, reality TV and quotations where they plan these little things to, to put a little more heat on a situation that that really wasn't all that bad, but they built up Ken Waller to be the bad guy in this situation because he hid this T-shirt and Mike Katz, the family man, was over here looking for it. Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, one of the I guess uh, inside stories of Pumping Iron. But Mike Katz, let's talk about Mike Katz and his haircut. I think it's 100% He-Man without He-Man. without question. Mike Katz rocking the He-Man uh, haircut. You
1: got it. Hair is important in that industry. I'm telling you.
0: I wish I could rock He-Man. a He-Man haircut you find, yeah. Why, find me find me rocking a he-man haircut the old prince valiant so he you're Man talking
1: about haircut. dying dyeing it blonder too or i'll like dye that?
0: it i'll rock the bangs i'll get the the hair to puff out over my ears i won't even you'll be looking like i'm wearing headphones with my curly hair
1: i think that it was like marigold or something like that's the color <laughs> this <is>
0: really- all <laughs> right so uh my cat's he would actually go on The Sun and own a T-shirt company that uh, sells to Gold and World's Gym. Uh, oh, so yeah. they so, Yeah, so they do own that. Anybody you see rocking that Gold's Gym or World's Gym T-shirt, that's Mike Katz. Serge Nubre gets honorable mention for getting second place in the overall uh, competition. Lou Ferreño, uh runner runner-up to uh, the one, the only Arnold Schwarzenegger, would go on to win the 1975 Mr. Olympia. Let's see. Uh, Franco Colombo would... Uh, would uh, take uh, first place in his weight class in his division. So Franco Colombo was there. full. Cool. Yep, yep. And one of, one of the things I think you want to take from this is Arnold Schwarzenegger went back in it to uh, to just be a part of this documentary. And there's a lot of rumor and uh, let's call it rumors and innuendo. There's a lot of innuendo there that, that it was – uh, pre-planned that it was fixed. The fix was in.
1: Well, you know, you got to tell a story, or you could report a documentary. Yeah, it well, it's like they were telling a story. I, I, I couldn't look back at what you said now about how they painted the pictures, and I'm like, yo, I've been had, but you know, I see what is. It's like you almost like seeing. Oh, I see what you did there now. I see what you did there.
0: <laughs> well, here's, here's why. Here's why people think the fix was in. Lou Ferrigno was younger, bigger. He didn't he look was, as
1: good though,
0: huh? He wasn't as. I don't know. That, that goes back to my thing of not being a bodybuilding guy. I can't stand there and see whose abs look better than the other guy's abs and whose hamstrings look to me it just looks like defined muscle people are just holding it differently on their body so to me yeah. what are you comparing it to do, to to if if Arnold's the measuring stick well then you're never going to win because Arnold's the measuring stick so it's in my eyes Lou Ferrigno looked better, but if we're if we're uh, saying if we're saying who's the better Arnold Arnold's better and I don't no, want who,
1: who could win at being the best superhero I think I don't know, dude. I think Predator Predator would have killed Lou Regno. I mean, if he didn't turn into Hulk, but I'm talking about Lou Regno in the jungle, he was his gun would jam or something. I'm telling you, dude, Arnold's taller, and I know that's why he got it. it just, and he did it with more ease. That's yeah. what I think a lot of people forget. I was surprised to see composure as one of the the main things too, you know, out there. So. Composure. Lou Ferrigno, you're just trying a little too hard, bro. Don't worry. Plus, I, I, I think there was still a little bit of, like, you got to bow down to the champion. Like, let him have his little final run, something like that, you know?
0: Yeah, there definitely was that. And I think one thing, and you're right about I'll agree with this. I think Lou Ferrigno looked bigger. He was more massive. But he just didn't have the presence and the confidence. He wasn't exuding the energy that Arnold was. And that just goes, goes to show how exuding the right amount of energy... And confidence in something makes it attractive to people, makes it makes it something that people want to be around, be a part of. So be careful with your energy. Don't go in there too angry. Don't go in there trying to uh, create so much conflict to where no one wants to be a part of it. No one wants to see it. Instead, go in there with the confident energy that you're doing something good and something positive. That's just me standing on a little soapbox right here and preaching at you, which I'm probably going to edit out anyway. So, yeah.
1: Oh, um, nice. I'm hey,
0: don't, hey, hey, don't sleep on uh, Danny Glover though. Danny Glover in Predator 2, he took out a it predator is... in hand, hand-to-hand combat.
1: That was, that was the passing of the torch from the John Wayners, then, if you think about it, a little yeah. diverse, like. Oh well, for you old old people here, we still got you. I can stab him bare hands. Killed him with my bare hands. You know what I mean? But <laughs> that gave if hope you... to everybody too. Like we don't, don't forget about our. Old hardworking hard-working heroes now. Just because you don't yeah. have a body, this is how you do it.
0: <laughs> he he took my, on Predator in hand-to-hand combat. That was Dutch from Predator 1. He had to create traps with logs. He had to use himself yeah. as bait. He had to say, come here, kill me. At the end of the movie, the Predator was running from Danny Glover. He was oh. Danny Glover was chasing the Predator. He chased him back to his ship. He went into the ship. He stole his weapon and gutted him with it.
1: A Ooh. different level of satisfaction.
0: <laughs> it's it's because, you want to know why he did that? Because he was LAPD. That's why he yeah. did that. Uh, that's
1: right. Don't mess with LAPD. Don't
0: mess with LAPD. So there's, there's a, a scene also pre-show where they're all lifting weights backstage getting a pump. And this is where you actually see the, the mind games. The head... Games that Arnold plays on uh, on everybody in there. He's walking around talking to Serge, New Bray, talking to his competition, eyeing everybody. And Arnold's just he seems the difference is though he seems relaxed, less stressed. He has his routine set, but then yeah. you go to Lou ferrigno and he's it's almost like he's in panic mode, right? Yeah.
1: Because all those other guys, the other guys already know they're gonna lose. So he don't even want to talk to them. But maybe he was really challenged by Lou. Plus how the movie framed it. But he went up to Lou and was like he went real close to his face and was like, What are you thoughts of the chances of you got to win in, Lou. And he's like, Everybody knows you're gonna win, Arnold. And Arnold was like, Yeah, that's right. I'm like, damn, he's just bullying himself into a win, man. For you to admit defeat, Lou, like that's like, man, that killed me. I was like, damn it, Lou, now I can't even cheer for you. You're the bad guy. You have no heart, like
0: <laughs> Exactly. Well, there's there's a difference in in uh mindset and mentality there where Arnold is relaxed. He's putting on his oil relaxed, and here's the difference. So he's oiling his body up nice and relaxed, and you look across the room, and the room is like this dimly lit. It has the uh the wood paneling walls, and it just yeah. looks like It just looks like a uh, like a green room, like a backstage green room or like a like a doctor's 1970s doctor or psychiatrist office waiting room. And they're in there lifting weights. But you can tell the panic and the the, just the frantic nature of Lou Ferrigno's warm up because his dad's putting oil on. And yeah. his dad's like, You look great, Lou. You look like you've been my. He's like, That's not enough oil, Dad. He's like, It's perfect oil. He's like, No, Dad, that's not good oil. I can't do a Lou Ferrigno. I don't know. But he's well, just that's like, That's
1: pretty good, dude. He's like, like, That's that not baby. good oil.
0: That's not good oil, Dad. Not good oil. Yeah.
1: It's like a complaining know? little whiny baby, dude. Like, Dang, Lou.
0: You ever you ever get oiled up on the beach? I want you to turn and tell you the, the person that's oiling up your person. That's not good oil. That's
1: not good oil. That's messed up, dude. That's messed
0: up. I like to use good oil in, in uh, romantic times oh wow okay by good by good oil i mean like the uh costco family size of baby oil that's good that's good oil
1: that's good oil maybe he should have didn't have costco back then right
0: (laughs) so you you, what you do is you just hold the oil bottle up and you just pour it out and you do one of these describe to the people what i'm doing with my hands
1: it looks like you're like Trying to do wax on wax off like Mr Miyagi, uh, but both at the same time. <laughs> that is exactly
0: right. You do a, you do a wax on wax off both at the same time. You do the. You but do it doesn't wait. look
1: like you're working on a flat wall. It looks kind of like you're looking on a round wall, or like like you're polishing some bowling balls or something. <laughs> <Is>
0: that, <laughs> that's um, exactly that's exactly how you use good <laughs> oil. You go get the Costco size good oil. If you know anything, if you know anything about my brother David, he's the one who turned me on to the good oil. Okay,
1: David, <laughs> right on. Dave. We're gonna have
0: we're gonna have to have him on in a future episode. We're definitely sure. we're gonna have some people on. We're gonna do some fun things. Let's uh let's put a bow on this. Let's talk about. It. And we talked about Ed Corney unfortunately passing away uh earlier this year. Mike Katz and his son. His son owns a few uh, Planet Fitnesses. Uh, Lou Ferrino, 67 years old. He's a fitness trainer. Uh, still active today. Franco Colombo. 77 years old chiropractor still active today uh the important thing i guess as you look at this is these guys are still active they're still doing things at, at, at you know 67 77 years old arnold we don't know what the hell happened to that guy i think he uh as mike tyson once said man i'm just gonna fade off into bolivian
1: bolivian oh my goodness i'll tell you what though he got a whole nother type of fitness he got that financial fitness man, you got to give him credit, man. He, he, uh, he probably was spending time working on his $400 million net worth that I looked up the other day. So, you know, I mean, you only need 12 minutes a day. He had a heart surgery. So sometimes he's got to chill. He, he definitely left his legacy behind. I mean, he's 70 for Christ's sakes, right? Or how old is he for goodness sakes? But
0: he's he's up there he's in his 70s man but he's he's doing his thing man he's he's arnold motherfucking schwarzenegger you can't go wrong with arnold in anything i've actually the funny part is last night my wife was watching the latest terminator movie i haven't seen i think it's terminator uh, genesis or something like that and while i'm up here you know just kind of banging out some notes about the podcast i'm looking down i'm like man arnold's still on screen doing his thing Uh, who knows what percentage of cgi is but he's still doing it man he's up in his 70s and people still see him as an action star. And, and take this for what it is. Everyone says, take this for what it is. If you devote yourself, and it doesn't have to be complete, 100%, unadulterated, focused, blah, 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 no excuses. If It doesn't have to be that. But just devote yourself to some type of fitness. People mm-hmm. are going to see you as vital and as a person who can execute on the power of possibility if you just keep yourself physically fit mentally fit spiritually fit just devote yourself to to avenues of fitness and you'll have that vitality long into your days you know i don't know what are your thoughts on that say say that's just me kind of preaching
1: man you're good with that's good i I feel that if you lead with the body then the body will deteriorate you know that way if you lead with the mind you at least still have something to run off of And, and what i mean is look how smart arnold is i mean he still has a strong presence even though his body may have faded because his body faded didn't mean he had to. And that goes the same for any one of those guys in that lineup, like you mentioned, doing chiropractics, really, really just carrying on a legacy in other ways of fitness. You know, that movie was about physical fitness and the possibility.
0: All right. right. I think that's it, man. That's going to put a nice little bow on pumping iron. (laughs) Any final closing thoughts you have on pumping iron and and just anything you want to put out there before we, uh, before we talk, tell the, uh, tell the people about our next episode.
1: It's all about a pump. Don't even start counting unless it starts hurting. (laughs) <laughs> that's my Arnold.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, that's gonna put a that's gonna wrap up our episode. We wanna thank everyone for listening. I hope you had fun. Say and I definitely had fun doing this, and yep. we're gonna continue to have fun. We're gonna come back Woo! and continue to have fun and continue to do this. And like I said, whether you like it or not, whether you hate it, whatever, give us all feedback and we love it all. This is all new, this is new territory for us. Join us next time where we will be covering Rocky Four. The birth, well, I don't think it was the birth, but no one did the training montage better than these guys. It's going to be Dolph Lundgren, Sylvester Stallone in a training montage that yeah. would motivate people to go out and lift logs and jump around with them. What do you think of that?
1: love montages. Montages <laughs> are better than pre-games.
0: That's right. We're going to be covering Rocket 4. We're going to talk about the muscles in that movie that motivated us to go out and do things. Not like the things the guy behind the front desk and the pumping iron, but motivated us to move. And speaking of motivation, you know, Say Say, I find you to be a very motivating guy. So if anybody is looking for motivation, make sure you go to Say Say's IG page because he's very motivating. Now would be a good time to go ahead and give your Instagram handle so people can give you a follow. Say Say, what's that?
1: Oh, it's Big Body Say. B I G B O D Y S A Y. Big Body Say.
0: So going through your Instagram page, I got very motivated. You're a musical guy. And I wanted to tie in two of the things that we love. We love motivational quotes and we also love music. So I got a little surprise for you at the end of, at, at the end of this podcast. So, so stay right. on. But first, but but first we're going to go ahead and wrap up pumping iron. Uh, what we're going to do here is go ahead and, and close it off by just going through the cold, hard facts of dollars and cents dollar, dollar bills. Y'all we're going to let you know what the actual influence it had on the fitness industry is by just showing you the year over year growth at a 1977 and it's a, a release the fitness industry was worth several hundred million dollars by 1987, only 10 years. It would see a boom that would lead it to grow to three billion dollars. Uh, and then standing today, the fitness industry is worth a staggering 86 billion dollars. So,
1: hey, son.
0: put that in your pipe and uh, shermoke it. Jeff Bezos could buy the
1: fitness industry then because he got 150 billion, he said. That's a big industry. $86
0: billion? Dang. For real? $86 billion is also a lot to put in your pipe and smoke, say so you know you have any friends that could probably smoke through 86 billion?
1: Hmm. I mean, I know a couple guys, but <laughs> not 86 billion, I mean, bro. That's a lot. <laughs>
0: exactly. That's an eighty
1: six billion dollar industry though. Mm-hmm.
0: Pump and Iron would also go on to launch the careers of Lou Ferrigno. Remember, he uh, did a stint as the Incredible Hulk. He had a whole series based off of him where um, whenever it was time to Hulk out, Lou Ferrigno would hit the uh, scene, painted in green. Um, would we'll be no those Hulk, that's actually- bro? There would be, there no, be Hulk. no Hulk if it wasn't for Pumping Iron. Exactly. Uh, there were a couple of guys. Yeah, a couple guys also would come out of there as actors. Uh, Franco Colombo would land a few roles. So would Serge Nubre. They would all land roles with Arnold. Of course, Arnold being the biggest star to come out of that. But um, let's actually talk about Arnold's influence and the actual uh, pop culture reach that came out of this movie. So let's just run down the list. Here we go. He was Mr. World, Mr. Universe five times, Mr. Olympia seven times. He was Hercules. He was Conan the Barbarian. He was the Terminator. He was Mr. Freeze. He killed the Predator. He went to Mars. He had a baby. He killed Satan, killed the devil. You know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he stopped. (laughs) He stopped clones from taking over the world. He (laughs) saved the world at least three times. He has a college degree in finance. He was the president's counsel for fitness. And he was the mother flipping governor of California. So, yeah, those of you so in... exactly. Exactly. Those of you who live in California who think that they weren't affected by this movie or, or say, oh, you know, pumping iron wasn't that big of an influence, uh, he was your governor. So that means he yeah. directly affected how you lived your life on a day to day basis. So, there you go.
1: California for wouldn't even be iron. here if it wasn't for pumping iron.
0: Yeah. California was built on the muscles of pumping iron.
1: What would not so, um, be here for pumping iron? This yeah. podcast would not be here
0: if it wasn't for yeah. pumping iron. This podcast would not be here. I don't know. I don't Damn. think I wouldn't be here either because my parents were clanging and banging back in the '70s. So what if my mom saw pumping iron and got all horn dogged out and decided to go conceive well, and my older brother David? And you know, my dad was pretty yoked out too back in the day. Little buff Mexican field worker who's doing his man, thing. I
1: bet, dude. Like, see, your guys' jeans, man. Even your brother's swole skis, bro skis, dude. You know, yeah. I, I feel you on that though because my mom told me she said um, she said that she married him because of his arms and then like after 20 years, she was like, she finally saw his face. It's like, Whoa, who did I
0: make? <laughs> I, <just, laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's what my wife's going to say about me. You know, I married him because of his arms, but after about 20 years, uh, not so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she said it funny, but anyway, no, yeah, she, dude, she, she, tired, yeah, she got with
0: me. She got with me for the arms and she stayed for the dick dancing.
1: Dick dancer. You dick (laughs) dancing. Dirty dog dick dancing Hector. How come that's not your IG handle? Oh, it
0: is. That's the other IG handle. All right. So, say, say, I mentioned I had a little surprise for you. I I know out of our first podcast, we're probably going to catch a lot of heat because a lot of motivational quotes came out of pumping iron. Some that are still used today. You see them on t shirts. You see them on memes. You see guys still saying them in the gym, man. Someone will come up to you and talk about the pump. And, you know, oh, yeah.
1: That's the quote you sent me, right?
0: Yeah. So I'm you you popped open that email. Sounds like you already looked at it. I sent you some quotes and what we're going to do right now is we're going to go ahead and recite these quotes, but we're not going to do it the way it has been done. We're not going to use an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. We're not going to use a Terminator accent. What we're going to do is we're going to lay it down real sultry and real sexy (laughs) over an R&B beat. And I'm going to go ahead and lead the way. Yeah, I'm going to, I'll go first, man, since I, since it was my idea, I'll go first. And uh, it's going to go a little something <laughs> like this. Here we go. Yeah, girl. You know, the greatest feeling you can get in a gym, or the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym, is the pump. Let's say you train your biceps. Blood is rushing into your muscles. And that's what we call the pump. Your muscles get really tight. Feeling like your skin is going to explode in minute. It's really tight, like somebody's blowing air into it, into your muscle. It just blows up and it feels really different. It feels fantastic. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. that was good.
1: I'll well, tell you,
0: you got the next cover, Yeah,
1: yeah. It's as satisfying to me as coming is, you know, as having sex with a woman in coming. Oh yeah, and you can believe me how much I am in heaven. I'm like getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump. When I pose in front of 5,000 people, I get that same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? So you know I'm in heaven. all oh, yeah. How's <laughs> that?
0: Oh yeah! Oh Oh, yeah! No. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. go. What did you say, Lou? What did you say? I'm training Arnold. Gotta get a good. Pump. Shh. You make too much noise. Has to be very quiet in here, like in church. (laughs) If you can go through this pain.
1: If you can go through this pain period, you make it to be champion. If you can't go through it,
0: forget it. <laughs> all right, all right. Looks like I can take you. <laughs> yeah? Keep looking. The
1: best activities for your health is pumping and humping.
0: Oh, shit, what are we doing, man? That one that one got me, I had to hit mute. I had to hit mute, that one got me to, I forgot I to put that one on there. All right, all right, all right. Here it goes. Here it goes. When I get it, it's like coming. It's fantastic.
1: You got a roadmap back there. Fingers all over it. Yeah, it's getting closer.
0: No, no. That's not good.
1: You look at your arms. You look at your arms like you're admiring. You're admiring what you're going to show them. And then you go, boom, take a look at this hunk of man.
0: Oh, Uh, shit, man, is this for real?
1: Yeah, I kind of feel weird, but it's all right. I feel it. It gets results.
0: All right, everybody. I think I've had enough say say for one day.
1: Yeah, man, I'm getting kind of like I need a workout real quick or something
0: yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna cool. go take a cold cold shower followed by some hot oil
1: yeah wait a minute what
0: and thank you everyone for listening that's our time for big body's sake i'm hector oliveira matthew McConaughey. take it away let me tell you what Melbourne Coast is packing right
1: here. I've right, got a 411 posi track out back, 750 double pumper, Edelbrock intakes, scored over 30, 11 to 1 pop-up pistons, turbojet, 390 horsepower,
0: we're talking some fucking muscle.